The warmest of greetings to you, and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching. This is the podcast to help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science, storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen to empower your children. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me today is... Hi, I'm Helen, and I currently work with reception and year one children in Buckinghamshire. And I'm Nicola, and I currently work with year six children in Hampshire, and I've also spent time in my career hoping to motivate and inspire the next generation of teachers at Teacher Training College. And today we are planning lessons in computing, design and technology with our dramatisation of the Great Fire of London. You can listen to the story by downloading our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for Sir Tommy's Fire. There you'll find a video of me telling the story that you can share with your children. And if you sign up as an epic educator, you'll also get a copy as a paperback illustriously illuminated by comic book artist Dave Hingley, as well as the full audiobook for you to download at any time. Right now, though, let's continue our discussion with Helen and Nicola and Sir Tommy as we explore the design and technology in this story, um, a subject about which Sir Tommy was to become very familiar after the events in the tale, I'm sure. Um, Helen, shall we start at your end, the ages four to seven? Where are the DT learning outcomes for you? Well, there is a very lovely DT activity linked to this story that I did. Again, I did this with my year ones and twos and they loved it. Mm -hmm. I put it into the context because we were doing drama and we do Mantle of the Experts. So the children were sort of within a story when they were learning about all of this. So the context was that Pudding Lane Bakery was, was being reopened. It was the grand reopening of Pudding Lane Bakery. And the king required a special loaf of bread to be designed and made uh, to commemorate, oh. to mark the opening of the bakery and to commemorate the Great Fire of London. So um, we undertook a whole project around tasting different breads. I got some different breads from the supermarket, looking at what flowers would have been available. Yeah. So they did. They would have had white bread, but that would have been for the more wealthy people. So, so the children tried some white bread and some oat bread and some rye bread and some multigrain bread, I think. So they, they started off by tasting the different breads and evaluating them for what they looked like, what they tasted like, what they smelled like. Mm-hmm. And then the children designed a loaf of bread. And for that, I got some pictures of what now is called artisan bread, you know, quite <laughs> mm. all different, like flat bread, bread that's platted and bread that's sort of in a cottage loaf type thing. Yeah. And um, so the children then designed their bread. And um, then they chose what kind of bread they wanted to make, whether they wanted to make oat bread or rye bread or or white bread, I think, were the choices. I had to narrow it down a bit. Otherwise, I'd be um, making 45 different batches of bread with the children. <laughs> and then they made their loaves. So we did all of the, the cooking, DT, the food hygiene, and the techniques needed to make bread and leaving it to rise. They made their bro- loaves. They shaped their loaves. I baked their loaves one painful batch at a time in our small <laughs> oven. Um, but it smelled really good, so that was fine. Um, <laughs> And then the next day they tried their loaves. So then they evaluated their work. They, they had a look at what they looked like. And because obviously bread changes quite a lot when you bake it, some of them actually were like, oh, it doesn't look very good in the end because it had risen and they couldn't see the shape. And mm. so they evaluated what their loaves looked like and what they smelled like, and what they tasted like. So it was a whole really engaging DT project. The children absolutely loved. And we were able to get all of those core elements of DT and, you know, market yeah. research 
finding out what's out there, what kind of bread they wanted to make, doing their own evaluation of what's already there, um, designing their bread, making their bread, learning about all those cooking techniques and evaluating their bread. So yes, I would highly recommend that activity, especially if they're spare bread, because it was tasty. <laughs> and now, of course, you can also tell them about the chestnut bread that um, Toria told us about when we were looking at the Basket Babies story. Do you remember that? Uh, not, yes. not Basket Babies, the Fish in the Forest story. The Fish in the Forest story, the chestnut bread. Ah, oh, yes. So there you go. That could be included. The bread that literally does grow on trees. It grows on trees. <laughs> you could create a recipe for, for bread for the community to buy. I've had children in the past, for older children, um, designing their own breads. So they have a go at making bread, but then they design their own. And we created a recipe book. And that was, it was hard work, but it was really, really great fun. So did they like, add different things to the bread? Yes. And like, how do they make it their own? Because obviously bread has to be a certain thing. Yeah, some of them some of them put things inside the bread. Some of them added different herbs. Um, we had a school garden, okay. so some of them added some of the herbs that we had from the school garden. Oh, very nice. And they're in teams of about four or five and they wrote their recipes and we then published them into sort of a school-made book that parents bought and then we gave some money to charity. It was it was quite a nice project. Lovely. Yeah, I, I like the idea of thinking, you know, how a, a commemorative Fire of London loaf would taste as well as how it would look. Burnt. Well, yeah. Would you, would you deliberately yes. burn it? Would you stick a few jalapenos in there? <laughs> yeah. Just for that element of surprise. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Another sort of, I thought it would be interesting for the children to look at the St. Paul's Cathedral because obviously that burnt down in the fire. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it was Christopher Wren who designed the new St. Paul's Cathedral. So I thought that would just be interesting to look at the building mm. just as a grand building and all its features and the children could then design design their own version of it yes, and yeah. build it out of junk modelling. Mm. So they could build it using a variety of junk modelling techniques. That's a fantastic idea. In fact, that could link back nicely to the 3D map, couldn't it? Yes, it could. <laughs> and right there in Pride of Place is St. Paul's Cathedral. Yeah. <laughs> Any any more design and technology from you? Not from me. I think I, that's I, I only ask because I'm I'm sure in an earlier episode that you mentioned, you know, it was part of the history planning how um, London is going to be rebuilt or thinking about how it's going to be rebuilt. Would would that not be a DT thing too? Yeah, I, I suppose it would, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> yes. So so much that we do is cross curricular, and I kind of forget that. But yeah, designing that would be very much a design project with my class that I was teaching we designed a new pudding lane so we actually did that in in groups mm. I gave the children a long stretch of sugar paper and they drew the street down the middle making sure it was nice and wide because that was one of the changes that was made in the mm, rebuilding act yes. of 1667 and <laughs> they they use white paper then to, to draw and cut out different features and stick them on in teams and there was some yeah. there's quite some effective work there because you know it really shows that what the children have learned because they're doing what is really quite a lovely activity drawing and cutting sticking and as they're going they're talking about all these things they've learned about the changes and always a good thing for them to be working as a team as well in, in groups i think we had them in groups of three or four doing that mm. so that then talk about their ideas with other children, articulating their learning and learning to work together. Yeah, so it really highlights, doesn't it, how um, one story can lead to so many different outcomes, yes. cross-curricular outcomes too, because you've you've started with the story, you've talked about the, the working together, your PSHE element, you've got your persuasive writing in there as you're designing your new yeah. London, you're then 
designing and building that. But when you move on to this commemorative bread, you've then got the, uh, it's more instructional writing, isn't it? Which is a totally different yeah. type of writing when you're putting your recipe together. Yeah, you definitely do some instruction writing. And there's going to be lots of art involved with your, your drawing and everything. Yeah. You're literally covering the entire curriculum yes, thanks to such, the events of 1666. Yes, yeah, it's such a good... I mean, they may not have enjoyed the fire at the time, uh, but <laughs> it's, it's really turned out well for teachers and children learning about it. I do think the death toll was quite low, though, wasn't it? I it mean, comparatively, was. Is there, yeah, there's loads of buildings, something like... It 13... Nine people or something. Yeah. nine, Something like six or nine, nine people yeah. officially. Yeah. Something like 13,000 buildings, I think. Of course, the, the unofficial figures may well be much higher. Yes, true. So the, the rich and important people, six, six to nine yes. people. <laughs> I think also, um, I think as we, we talked previously about the good outcomes mm. of it, and I feel like it might have been responsible for finally getting rid of the plague. Yeah. Yes. That, well, that's certainly one of the potential causes for that, isn't I think it? Yeah. So. One of one of the potential. In London, of course, not in the rest of the country. In London, yes, and not anywhere else. <laughs> Well, let's move up the ages then, 7 to 11, and start seeing the design and technology outcomes here. What have you got for us, Nicola? Okay, well, carrying on from Helen's idea about designing buildings, actually getting the children, not necessarily designing a building after the Great Fire, but design a, a fireproof building. So what, okay. what materials oh, yes. would you use? Maybe concrete, brick, thinking about designs okay. as well. If you, if you Google online, there's lots of ideas of the way of designing a building so children and staff who aren't as confident in this area can certainly get some ideas hmm. yes we talk about japan in my class and we talk about earthquakes as part of our geography in japan and we design earthquake proof buildings and i think it would be brilliant for them to think about the materials and the the layout of hmm. buildings for fire Another design element that links to textiles is designing clothes for a, a fire person to wear. So looking at the yeah. designs that are there now oh, and yeah. imagine maybe they could make a design, create it and have some sort of fashion show or something. But <laughs> looking at the materials that are used, looking at the, the colours, often very fluorescent colours, mm. and thinking from an aspect, the DT aspect of textiles, which would come into that, I think, quite strongly. Yeah, mm. that's brilliant. So did you want me to mention a computing idea? Oh, yes, yes, do. Just just because it's slightly obscure, but um, I was thinking about communications and in the story, how the information is communicated to Sir Tommy about the fire and, and how mm. they're knocking on that door and how he gets the letters from the Londoners to get his attention. I think it was, was it 364 letters. Something like that yeah. in the story, yeah. We should have mentioned the days in a year, shouldn't we, in maths, but <laughs> never mind. Um, but I thought with computing, something that's important that we, we do in school is thinking about how we communicate and how we use the internet, for example, how the actual internet works with our modems and our routers and how we get information and thinking about how that's so different in those days. I mean, even when I was younger, I was writing letters and <laughs> that was very, very yeah. normal. I went away and wrote letters and obviously didn't have telephones in the 1600s, but um, how communication has changed and it's, it's ever evolving and changing dramatically at the moment. And what is the most effective way of communicating? Is it talking on a telephone or is it texting? I'm, I'm just being slightly random there, but communication and how it's changing. Well, no, I mean, I think the 
contextual mm. element of what you were just saying there is important because, yeah, we may have emails now, but it's so easy for an email to be received and then deleted, isn't it? Yes. Would emailing your petition to the mayor be any more or less likely to get his attention? Mm. And likewise, if they were sending him a text to get him over to Pudding Lane, is that going to be as effective as hammering on his door? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're probably right going back to those good old-fashioned physical yes. activities would work. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, even nowadays, we still use beacons sometimes to share information because I know it, around mm. that time in history, they'd have used beacons to pass information on. You know, we're celebrating the Queen's Jubilee and we're having beacons across the country as a way of marking that. So that's still, we still use some of those older ways of communicating. Yeah. But I think from a computing point of view, how do they work and how do we pass on share information and what information should we share and what information should we share could come into that too. Mm-hmm. Would you include podcasts in that discussion? Absolutely. They are <laughs> top on my list. Top. <laughs> That's all we have time for in this episode, folks. If you'd like to talk to us about anything you've heard in this podcast, or if there's a subject you are soon to teach that you'd like us to cover, you can find us on social media using at Teach Happily, or leave us a review using your favorite podcast app. Please also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can learn in a way that's effective, memorable and enjoyable all at the same time. Tomorrow, Sir Tommy and the people of Restoration London will help us produce some art. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio and we hope to hear your story soon. So... Cheerio! Cheerio. And And we we hope hope to hear hear your your story story soon. soon!